Welcome to episode 81 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me is my co-host, Matthew Aguilar. What's up, everybody? And back on the couch with us is Mr. Connor Casey. What's good, Kofi? Also, in like a golem-like cave on the other side of the studio today, <laughs> we also have with us Mr. J.K. Schmidt is back. You got to say something for the audio people. Hi, this is people. A yeah, I forget. You got to hear me. Here. You don't see my disgusting visage. We haven't visage. gotten to the Invisible Man trailer yeah. yet. So, it's cool. Like, yeah, let's let them know you're actually here. I, I exist. That when you good. said Invisible Man, I thought 98 Degrees. Anyway. Uh, yes, that is crazy. Uh, moving right along, degree? we are going That's to be talking about a myriad of things today. We're going to be talking about some horror. We got a new exciting horror trailer that came out, the aforementioned Invisible Man. So we're going to be talking about that. And we have a lot of deep dives to do today. We have to review a movie, the new horror film, Dr. Sleep. We got to review not one, but two new X-Men spinoff comics. And Connor and Matt are going to take us through the now expanding world of wrestling with AEW's Full Gear event, which I have no idea what that is, but we are all going to learn about it together today. You got that out so smooth, though. I'm so proud. I know. I, I, I you know, I've been doing this. You killed it. You killed like it, though. You would not know. Episodes. Boom. So you're just second nature. So, we're going to jump right into our new segment today, talking about the uh, new horror trailer that dropped right before we got in here. And we've been excited for this movie. It is the remake of Universal Pictures' Invisible Man, the classic Universal uh, monster movie from that line. But uh, it was two years ago to the day that we were supposed to get Dark Universe, Universal's uh, uh, monster franchise that Tom Cruise killed with his stupid mummy movie. Rest so in peace. R.I.P. Rest in peace, uh, Dark Universe. But we finally... You know, they did, Bloomhouse picked up The Invisible Man, which was eventually supposed, was originally supposed to star like Johnny Depp or something um, in the Dark Universe franchise, but now we got this, and you know what? I'm not mad Dark Universe is gone. I was really excited about the concept of superheroes and monsters mashing together, but Bloomhouse picked up The Invisible Man, did something different with it, and I'm really liking what I saw. I mean, we talked about this movie when we first heard it announced. Because we, which we almost never do for horror movies on the podcast. No, because that synopsis they dropped. Yeah, was so kind of intriguingly yeah. significant. Um, this new Invisible Man stars, of course, Handmaid's Tale, Mad Men star, Elizabeth Moss. And it basically is kind of Invisible Man for the Me Too era. I mean, I tweeted that. I don't think that's wrong. I think that's a fair assessment to say about kind of, it's about a woman who has an abusive husband mm-hmm. who basically escapes from him. Uh, finds out that he's presumably killed himself and left her all the money as some kind of apology and atonement for how he was. But she has to kind of go through these, jumps through these hoops that include proving she's not mentally, you know, uh, I forget the exact, I always forget. Like she's got to essentially she's live in the house for a certain house, amount of days. Yeah, and, and prove she's mentally stable yeah. and that like, you know, her accounting of things was, was true about the relationship. But of course, he's found a way to pay for some procedure to turn himself invisible and he's basically stalking her in this house to try to drive her nuts to kind of prove her, like, you know, that she's insane and kind of clear up himself and his legacy and whatever. Um, which is kind of like a very strange but intriguing metaphor for gaslighting, right? So this all hinges, I mean, this is one of those things where, like, you, obviously the social politics of it could overwhelm this film. But I think this movie looks like a great thriller, uh, mostly carried by the fact that Elizabeth Moss is yeah. one hell of an actress. And this kind of descent into madness role that she's taking on looks to be very good, very interesting. And the entire concept of 
this kind of abusive husband dude kind of stalking around her and messing with her psychologically is in some ways like the most horrifying thing about it without, I mean, taking away the supernatural or science, I guess this is sci-fi in this case, yeah. element of it. Uh, yeah, so this looks like a great horror remake and, and kind of good remake in general that you want to do in the sense of bringing something new to the property. Well, I mean, I was going to like, I, I miss, I am bummed that the Dark Universe thing didn't. Right. Really? I, I am, because I was, when that what? was announced, I was really excited. Like, Wait, I was. Digium I was going to do it for you? I, huh? I was excited. I, I wanted to see this connected universe of like all these icons and stuff. I, I wanted to see that. However, from what I understand, Blum, uh, Blumhouse only has this, right? They yeah. don't have any so of the other ones. You, you say that. But no, there are okay. going to be people that walk in, and no matter what you say until the end of the movie, they will not believe that this is not somehow connected to a bigger thing but, well, until here's the, the movie thing. comes out. It, and it's kind of – seeing this so far, just just from the trailer, it, I would be very much game for them to just insta- make – essentially take, okay, well, we couldn't do this whole connected universe thing, but – Give uh, Russell these... Crowe walks out at the end and goes, "My name is Doctor G. I'd like to tell you <laughs> no, about Prodigium." I actually want to. We restart. I actually this. just want to see them do these kind of unique takes on these characters. I would just like to see them get a stab and do something completely different, like this yeah. with Frankenstein or with Dracula. Like, do all those characters? Yeah. With this kind of. Just think outside the box. Yeah, do something do, completely different. Do good reimaginings of yeah, all of these this, things. I would have never thought to put, like, the Invisible Man is typically the main character, and you're looking at things through there. Or yeah, his, his eyes. eyes. Yeah. And this is just a really cool way to turn out. Has. Plus, we had talked about, like, Elizabeth Moss was going to be the thing, the person that carried this. Yeah. And just her reactions throughout this trailer, like, as it keeps going, and her disturbed slightly tweaked weird looks that she's giving is just like amazing. Like I can't wait to see that. So I, I love the pick for director Lee Winnell guy coming off of upgrade. Uh, it was behind the story for the first few saw installments, like insidious actor. Yeah. The guy does a great job at just right. ramp, ramping up terror as a movie goes along and making the, the, the unlikely and the supernatural almost seem like it's, you know, plausible for mm-hmm. a given story. Cause with a lot of horror stuff, it's like, is he really invisible or is she just crazy? Yeah. He's like, no, we're not afraid to say, no, he really is invisible and just messing with her. Exactly. Yeah. That's, no, that's awesome. I uh, can't wait. I think it's going to draw a huge, I mean, a pretty big crowd. Uh, female viewers seem to be responding to this and saying like, yeah, like this is in, in that it's creepy and it's kind of weird, but in a way that they want to go see because mm-hmm. I think I saw one uh, female pundit tweet out like the title for this trailer is like Elizabeth Moss can't, figure out how to kill her abusive husband in parentheses yet. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I was like, that's awesome. Um, so yeah, Invisible Man's on my radar for February, mm-hmm. 2020. I'm going to be excited for that one. Stoked. Yeah. Kind of stoked for that. Stoked, bro. All right. Now talk, moving on. We got other remakes to talk about. We're going to touch on these real quick. Um, we found out this week that we are getting two popular nineties properties are coming back. We are getting a new Scream movie. Don't ask me what it's about. We don't know anything about what it's about yet. <laughs> we just know we're getting another Scream, and that could mean anything, really, because yeah. Scream is such a kind of winking, referential, at-once commentary on horror movies and a horror movie. Uh, so I don't know what we're going to be doing at this level, at this stage. Uh, Scream 4 came out, and... Uh, yeah. Uh, so and there's a Scream series, right? On yeah, the and TV. a Scream series that on TV. No that's works. also okay. Richard. 
Over in the booth, Scream TV series. Oh, look at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah oh. Thumbs down. No, thumbs down. Thumbs down. All right. Richard cool. from the booth says uh, thumbs says down thumbs on that down. Scream he loves TV it. series. We know he loves it. No, I think what's interesting, it. what's interesting about this, though, is that this is the first one that's not directed by, you know, rest in peace, Wes Craven, horror legend. Wouldn't so, it be cool if we directed it from beyond the grave? From beyond the grave. Some Ouija board type exactly. shit. Like, <laughs> let's let him set the lens. Maybe it's a hologram. <laughs> He'll rack the focus. Maybe uh, it was the Wes Craven hologram who did it. You never know. You never, you can't They just cast work. James Yeah, James we're getting Dean James Dean back. Wes so, Craven uh, can be brought back. Yeah, I just, I mean, I don't know. I don't think they have a script yet. No. But Kevin Williamson, who like, executive produced the TV series, and he, you know, from Dawson's Creek fame, uh, and he did all like the I think the first three screen movies. I'm not sure if he did the fourth one, mm. um, but I am I'm interested because that concept is amazing. Uh, I mean, it's no Final Destination as far as terrible yeah, horror films go. I love Final Destination. Yeah, because Final Destination <laughs> yeah, is just four. like the Rube's Goldberg machine of how people yeah, that's die. Great. Yeah, I and go in. You know how like every horror movie, I know what I'm it's like when I go to see everyone's going to make movies. an idiotic decision. I'm going to make a terrible decision. Yeah. There's a Geico commercial about people making bad decisions in horror movies, but then in Final Destination, I love that it's with just the ramped up to a million. Yeah. Where everyone's just like, I'm going to stumble over my blood and fall on this glass shard and die. I don't know why we're talking about finance. Yeah, I don't know either. I just he got us on it. I was letting the podcast get out of control just to see. I just assess it. everybody as we do these things. So. All right. But Scream. bringing it back to Scream, yeah, we don't know anything. But, I mean, people are going to be interested because it is Scream. And hopefully they do do some kind of, I mean, like long-awaited sequels have been hitting. We're going to talk about one today with Dr. Sleep. So it is possible to start these Howard franchises over again. And we just talked about Invisible Man. Mm-hmm. So hopefully Scream does something equally as as kind of clever. I mean, I'm trying to think about like what modern. I mean, horror is blockbuster now. I mean, that's the only thing I could think of is how big horror has gotten. And kind of, I mean, they could do kind of the deconstruction that. thing the Cabin in the Woods did, that, yeah, which took basically the oh let's let's examine the tropes of horror and rank that up to the nth degree. How you can do that with just some guy with a knife and a mask? Yeah. Well, yeah, right. Because I think since the years of Scream, when it was at its height. We've had a bunch of shows and other movies do what Scream did. It'd be funny better. if, like, a lot That's of it basically is comedy. What American Horror Story does. Yeah, yeah I mean, season. every time. It'd be I funny mean, if a lot of it's like comedy, like people seeing a ghost face killer and being like, yeah, this isn't the 90s. I'm not scared of this. Yeah, so then it's that just would be a scary great. movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, kind of, but I mean, a ghost face would then, you know, brutally kill them still, but like, it would just yeah, be like it's that a, thing. Like, it's a weird line they're going to have to walk. Yeah. But. So I think they can do it. All right. Moving right along. The other thing we're getting back is the Flying V. Yeah. AKA Mighty Ducks. the Mighty Ducks reboot series coming to Disney Plus. There you it's go. Not animated ducks fighting crime in space. I, was, I don't care. <laughs> I was so bummed though, I, to be honest, when I read that it was <laughs> it was the live action. I need one. Tim Curry as my villain. I love and I that. I need crime fighting ducks. That animated series is so underrated. <laughs> Here's what we high. know about the Mighty Ducks new series. They the series awesome. focuses on a 13 year old boy when he gets kicked off the junior division Mighty Ducks team. His mom st- decides to start their own team, finding players, a coach, and a place to play. Oh, mom's running the hockey team. Good for mom. Good for mom. But uh, uh, I don't know if I like that premise from a parenting perspective. You know, <laughs> I don't think that's good. It's like, hey, I want to be athletically competitive. Oh, I didn't quite make the team. That's okay, honey. We'll start your own team. You don't <laughs> I, ever need to meet those standards. I mean, the hey, Michael deal- Jordan's playground taught us that sometimes there are some politics that go into this stuff. Uh, and you got to you just got to keep on keeping on. You got to find your own way in this world, baby. What okay. If the, what wow. if the coach they find in the in the movie is uh, Michael Jordan? 
Teaching hockey. Care. There you go. Teaching hockey. He doesn't care about them kids. He's just gambling on them. If they're not <laughs> buying Jordans, he doesn't care about them kids. I mean, the premise is not, right off the bat, is not as interesting to me as the original premise of, hey, yeah. here's this hot shot lawyer who essentially has to slum it with these kids, right? And, like, he's so used to high society and, like, being a hot shot lawyer, being rich and all this other stuff. And then he has to go do that. There's an automatic, like, relationship that he has with the kids right off the bat that makes it interesting. Yeah. This doesn't necessarily have that. Just this in is a like my mom form. said, I'm cool. The movie, but it could be, they could, I mean, they say they have Everyone to find a coach and other trophy, stuff. Okay. So it could no. end up having those contrasts. So we'll just have to wait and see, but from initial, I mean, let's like, be honest, we're all happy just to hear mighty ducks. Yeah. Like, ah! I love, man, I love, man. I love that. I mean, I hope they don't try to do cameos with the original cast because uh, some like of those are, one. How is Estevez are, looking these days? Some of those are it's, real tragic. It's not I don't Estevez. Think it's Estevez. Yeah, Estevez. It's Goldberg. Oh, God. It's the yeah. kid who plays Goldberg who hey, you know what? I was he showing Kofi well. yesterday. <laughs> they have a, they, they post frequent mug shots on TMZ. I really hope Keenan's there. All right. We're having like four conversations right now. So let's pull it all back together. What's Mighty up? Ducks coming to Disney Plus along with everything else. We're going to have a full Disney Plus breakdown for you because that thing is coming Oof. next week. And I'm not really prepared for all that, but uh, it's going down anyway. So be on the lookout for the Mighty Ducks. All right, that'll do it for our new segment. Like I said, we got a lot to deep dive into today. Some comic books, some horror movies, some wrestling. So be sure to stay tuned because when we get back, we're going to get into it all. All right, so in our first segment of our deep dive, I am going to, because I am the only one responsibly seeing movies for this podcast out here, Matt, I'm going to, I'm just kidding, you got a lot going on right now. You got a <laughs> you no small amount. Of, you saw my face. You got, no, you got a small amount of something going on with, uh, you know, being an impending daddy, so I, I'll go out here and bite these bullets for you, but uh, I went out and saw Dr. Sleep this week, the Stephen, uh, Mike Flanagan, director of Oculus and The Haunting of Hill House, who is making a film based on Stephen King's sequel novel to The Shining, but also taking that novel and marrying it to Stanley Kubrick's version of The Shining to create this kind of hybrid sequel of both the, sh the book and the movie. That was a tall order mm -hmm. to do, and this is not a short movie. It's a two-and-a-half-hour movie. Uh, starring Ewan McGregor as the grown-up version of Danny Torrance. And I am proud to say that Dr. Sleep is, at once, one of my favorite horror sequels of all time. Wow. One of the best Stephen King adaptations of all time. And if you just want to keep it on a m smaller comparison scale, it's much better than It Chapter 2 was. Like, much better. Um, just an overall experience. I realize they're different stories, but, like, overall kind of cinematic experience. Dr. Sleep, Mike Flanagan does such a good job of first building and establishing these worlds and, and doing so not just through exposition, but actual, like his movies and like, or TV show has an identity to it, a signature. Dr. Sleep feels like Flanagan's film. Um, he's really good at this dark, lavish kind of cinematography and look to his movies. But it also feels like it is a perfect companion piece to the Shining movie by Kubrick. I'm talking from just like how he uses old techniques like one shot fading into the next shot, like directly kind of that fade over motion that The Shining does a lot to just the actors he cast to play the original characters from the original movie and how they capture the spirit of the original actors without having to do that de-aged crazy crap and all that. Like they just 
It's old school. We just get actors who are good to mimic <laughs> actors who were there before, and you get your Jack Nicholson, your Shelley Duvall, you know, your young Danny Torrance again. And it all and the music by the Newton Brothers is fantastic. This is a fantastic soundtrack. I've disturbingly been listening to it uh, since then. It's all like shining music. So, oh lord, yeah. If you're wondering why I've been hovering over your <laughs> He gets an axe. You gotta, we got to get you to see more comedies. Like, that's got to be. They don't the make thing. those anymore. Oh, my God. Uh, maybe <laughs> on Disney joke, Plus man. when Noel comes out. Um, but, uh, yeah, so this feels like you are back in the world of Kubrick's The Shining years and years later when Danny Torrance is all grown up. But this movie feels like it, it literally could just be in a two-disc set with Kubrick's and work perfectly. The villains are great. These kind of... I forget, they have this weird name, like Nagarth or something, but like Rebecca Ferguson from Mission Impossible is the main villain called uh, uh, Black Hat Rose or something like that is her name. And she's kind of, they're like a gypsy crew, but they're these kind of weird versions of vampires that basically eat shining. So eat people's like psychic powers mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the scenes with them are great because they carry an entire thread of the story. And Rebecca Ferguson and, and the co-stars who play like her quote unquote family are, are all really good, interesting villain characters. Rebecca Ferguson is awesome in this. Yeah, she steals the screen. She's really great. And they do this thing where they're really intriguing and almost funny kind of humans until they're not. And when they're not, it is really terrifying and scary. And there are legit scenes in Doctor Sleep that are going to disturb some people really badly. And I wouldn't be surprised if some people like get up and walk out or just wow. have like reactions because there are some pretty intense scenes with these beings who primarily hunt children. For the, um, is that a, like a visual thing? Like just the way it's a visual look? conceptual thing. Like I said, these are these are vampires that essentially are yeah. hunting children. OK. And in this movie does not shy away from the end result of that gotcha. whatsoever. Right. Man. Um, so like, yeah, pretty disturbing stuff. And, and it's overall just a good story to live in for two and a half hours. Like, when it ended, I was like, oh, I would have watched even more of this. Like, That's a good because song. it takes its time. I think Brandon Davis said in his review that we put on the site that it's kind of slow in the beginning. But it is. It's a, it's, it's a movie that feels like somebody really did take a Stephen King novel and didn't do that thing where people just squeeze it like a juicer and just to make it more simplistic for a movie screen. It is still as complicated and kind of messy and a longer character story than, than you might be expecting from a film. But it's all wonderfully done and put together, so it's, it's not at all bad to take that journey. And you will be kind of like on the edge of your seat or, or just tense and uncomfortable pretty much the entire time. Because there are some really, I mean, like I said, there's a lot of intense stuff. And not all of it has to do with supernatural horror. But uh, the climax when we get back to the Overlook Hotel from the original Shining is pretty much spot on perfect recreation of Kubrick's film. That's set. That's a big change from, you know, Stephen King's book. But this movie brings the two together perfectly in that climactic ending. And the new girl, uh, I don't have her name right in front of me, but uh, the new girl who is kind of the other primary character in it who Danny Torrance kind of allies with is really fantastic. Uh, Kaylee Curran is her name. Uh, she plays a character named Aberstone, who is this little girl who has probably the most powerful shining we've, we've seen yet in this world. And so Danny's trying to help her and protect her from these things that can basically, these vampires can track you as soon as they get a scent of you anywhere. And that's kind of the story. So I recommend, even if you don't haven't seen all the fanfare, you go out and check out Dr. Sleep, especially if you're a fan of Kubrick's The Shining like I am. Make sure you check that out. Personally, I'd give it about four and a half to, I'd say four and a half. I'm always kind of selective about five stars, but uh, definitely like a four and a half star review for me. Does this make your top 10 for the year? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Yeah, Dr. Sleep. And in terms of horror, it's my favorite of the year, I think. Um, All right. Awesome. So that's it. Dr. Sleep.
I want to see that now. Yeah, it's a good movie. You should. All right, moving right along. Let's talk X-Men. Okay, <laughs> so we're in this Dawn of X relaunch. We've been doing everything every week, and uh, this has been an interesting week, right? Like, Because we got two things. I would call this the most mixed bag week we've had. Yeah. Not in terms of the books themselves. I'll get to that in a minute. But in terms of our reactions around yeah. the office. Because uh, we got the release of both X-Force number one and New Mutants number one. Generally, I think the consensus was X-Force was awesome for most people, uh, unless I'm missing something. I think I haven't heard from you, JK, but uh, you liked X-Force? I liked them both. Okay. Okay. So, like, yeah, I did too. So I liked both. I liked X-Force and New Mutants for two very different Mm -hmm. things. Oh, yeah, it's completely different. That we're about to get into. Um, I think, Matt, you liked both. Yeah, I I loved both. I started reading uh, New Mutants. I've been caught up. I've been moving this past week. No, that's all good. Having much time. Although I did have to read Spawn this week for the reviews. That was fun. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, stop it. Spawn. Don't beat up old Toddy. But um, I think Jamie was the. Jamie might have been the only. No, I think Jim Jim Sourdough. I think Jim Sourdough New Mutants, too. Jim's been mixed about pretty much most of the X Men comics that have come out this year, though. He loved X Force. He's he's been listening to Rob Liefeld a little too much, but we'll forgive him for that. Stop it. Draw the feet. He went home sick today. You can't sit in his seat while he's sick and then beat him up. Boom, boom, down now. goes boom, boom, down goes boom, boom. Fix boom, boom. What? Got a no, I'm not going to fix it now. Hashtag fix boom, boom. It's fine. She's asleep. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, <laughs> so X-Force and New Mutants, like we said, two very different books. <clears throat> X-Force is probably the most direct continuation of the House of X kind of storylines in, term in terms of uh, showing you what this new world on Earth is like in light of the X-Men declaring their own nation, declaring mutant sovereignty and amnesty and basically changing the whole geopolitical order of, of the world. And it opens with this kind of very dark, ominous thing about showing you there's always been these anti-mutant human supremacy groups. Now there's a new one. They all are kind of very Illuminati. They wear masks. They're sitting around a table doing this purity test to test everybody's blood. So there are, make sure there are no mutant infiltrators, which of course there is one. It's Domino. Her luck kind of runs out. That's an awesome sequence, I thought. I really like that sequence. Oh, yeah, that was an awesome, the, yeah, the, the introduction. The yeah. Opening. And then we cut to, like, Krakoa. And this book kind of lays out a couple mysteries before it gets to the big event at the end. Uh, we are going to talk full spoilers oh, for yeah. New Mutants and X-Force. So just so you're aware, full spoilers for New Mutants and X-Force. Um, yeah, the climactic event is we get a return of the cybernetic, like, uh, gang called the Reavers. Mm-hmm. This new iteration of it, very kind of special ops commando type unit now uh they use a commercial airliner which i love this sequence too yeah and they're in mid-flight they put everybody to sleep and then do a halo drop from this thing like, basically leave them for dead you know yeah, yeah well, we'll I mean, kill a bunch of humans yeah. well, <laughs> so we can kill not a necessarily like my dad's like an amateur pilot like a plane can fly a plane can really fly itself without a human for pretty much everything like you could just go to sleep and the plane will land itself automatically well that's comforting are you serious yeah yeah a plane doesn't really necessarily i mean i know we don't need to divert but like no a pilot really interesting to me when you're landing it's mostly instruments the pilot is just there to kind of tweak any changes that may need to be and most times they're just there to make sure it guides down the way we are gonna get so much hate mail from the air force now. my mind is blown right now i'm talking about commercial airliners the air force (laughs) you guys are all elites and we need you i am not down with automated air force pilots let's just let's just put that out there a lot of those air force pilots go on to be commercial airline pilots hey what hey i was (laughs) i was once a top-notch athlete (laughs) and then i went on and did other stuff so i covered my part very glad we got this back to x force yeah i'm not defending commercial (laughs) air pilots no Definitely not for Delta. You you can go back to that. Final Destination. You can take that somewhere else. <laughs> uh, 
But uh, anyway, so they do the Halo drop. They get into Kakoa and they cause a mutant massacre. And they end up, the Reavers, uh, taking out Xavier himself. But along the way, we get these other little mysteries. Like, there's a mystery set up with Beast and Wolverine that there's this, you know, feral animal mutant beastie thing that nearly takes out Beast that Logan's been tracking. And Beast wants to know how this is possible because Krakoa technically shouldn't have anything to threaten the mutant populace. Um, and so that's opened up the door on what kind of theories as to why. I wrote an article about it, like either that, you know, either Krakoa isn't as reformed as we think, because it used to be a place that trapped and fed on mutants, yeah. so it was dangerous. Or I think it also could be there's some connection they're setting up to that Araco, the other half of Krakoa, mm-hmm. that was sealed away in the demon realm, and I, maybe there's not the breach, there's a little some kind crack of, yeah. in the breach, because that would tie back into like Excalibur, all that, that stuff. That would be really cool, actually. I like that. Um, or it's just sinister messing around somewhere, or somebody else messing with genetics and kind of messing. With or it's just the things. natural ecosystem of you know every place, right? Is going to yeah. have yeah. That's what Wolverine says. Yeah, like, every place has to have predators. A there predator. is no paradise. And so there's that. There's also interesting things like Black Tom and his role <laughs> in Krakoa, uh, referring to himself as the third person and plugged into all the plants and kind of running the the biological system of the island or the nervous system of the list characters everywhere are just thinking Hickman. Yeah. Like forge, <laughs> forge. Uh, black Tom, a uh, cipher. Like there are Gold so balls. many, yeah, there's so many now characters egg or whatever. His there's name is. Yeah, egg. There's so many characters that just like, they have this renewed purpose and like, it's cool. It's cool to see what these, well, that's what I like to say do. about this overall. I was going to get to is like, you can carry this line on for at least two years, just doing simple scenes of new context interactions between characters. Like Black Tom, I could read like a whole issue of Black Tom following around Presser Xavier being like, (laughs) listen to Black Tom. We need to get our defense up, homie. Like, this isn't right. The plants are telling me stuff. Like, that all is so interesting now. Like you said, with these played out, formerly kind of one-note D-list characters kind of coming back and having these interesting new roles. So X-Force. It's not restrictive. No. Which for the first time in an X-Men comic, it's not been about the limits and how you can meet, like how do you fit your stories within those limits? Now these, now these storytellers are able to add on to it, which yeah. is amazing. And that was what know? Hickman said. He said, I mean, the rule in the, in their room is you're not allowed to destroy. Like basically you can only build and add, like you can't tear down things. You can't bring in a super powered Omega level mutant to, you know, kill all the, kill other everything yeah. off and then start all over again. Like mm-hmm. you got to add to what's already there. So and that's, what's like, been gotta, like the first, those first six issues of house of X and powers of X were so amazing in building this world where basically it's just like, Hey, guess what? This is the new paradigm shift. Yeah. And like this I said, the new we could do the first few years quo. just exploring different corners of this new world to establish things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what we're doing now in a lot of ways. And it's very interesting to me. Which is my segue to say um, I loved X-Force because it is directly connected and there is this big action sequence at the end with the Reavers invading Krakoa, causing this massacre, shooting Xavier. Um, Also, I love, I don't think I've ever been more turned on by Jean Grey than hearing her say, (laughs) we need to be swift and violent right now. That part was awesome. That part was was so cool. I was like, whew. (laughs) <laughs> it's like slow down X-Men like yeah that was such a great part that typically yeah. would be reserved for Logan 
yeah. or whatever. And it was awesome to see, like, oh, Jean Grey? Oh, yeah, Jean Grey leaning tech, like, I'm going to F somebody up. Like, yeah, that Also, was just awesome. a special shout-out to, like, whoever's idea was to bring Sage back into things. I always – I loved yeah, that I love character Sage. for a minute during that time frame. So, yeah. That's, Dude, Extreme cool. X-Men Sage yes. was, like, my favorite. Yeah. Extreme you know, X-Men. You know Chris Claremont is, like, sitting in his cabin in the woods, like – Just hating. I don't like what they're doing, but – at least they're using stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Yeah, that is true. Um, but like, yeah, so X-Force had that excitement. But I also really like New Mutants. New Mutants is like the complete opposite end of the spectrum from X-Force in the sense that X-Force is very direct and can kind of pushing this storyline and world forward. And New Mutants is just totally off somewhere in space, like totally irreverent. It's like, it's like community in space. Yes. <laughs> like, and Very much. I am loving it because, again, I think the delight in this world is just being able to delight in this world, yeah. not have to do anything except a dinner scene, a party scene with these random assortment of characters that have really never been in a room or like had meaningful interaction, like the Star Jammers and the New Mutants, Yeah, both hooked into like big space mythos and all that. But we've really never seen them together like this. And it is freaking hilarious to yeah. see. Corsair, uh, oh, what's, I always want to call her Hezbollah, Hezbollah or whatever her name Hepsibah. is. Hepzibah. Hexabah and Hepzibah. Uh, Hepzibah. Close enough. Uh, what's the other one? Raza. Chud. And Raza and Chud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and just like all names. of them having these kind of odd, <laughs> odd pair interactions <laughs> with their names. Okay. Yeah. This is. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was canon. I no, thought he was yeah, just shouting out random. For real. No, he's being real names. right now. He's not trolling. <laughs> these are the Star Jammers' names. Chud. Yeah, and Hepzibah is her name. You got I hope, it right. I hope so. You got it right. I said it. Uh, after, after he made such yeah, a big deal like a, about it. She's weirdly had like some of the most standout moments in a couple books. Like yeah. X-Men 1 where she might have been trying to lure Rachel <laughs> Summers into oh, a yeah, threesome. Right. And then yeah. her, her boyfriend's granddaughter. Yeah. She's like, hey, I'm, I like you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then this, this one. a little too yeah, weird. And she's just great in this one too. Like just, oh man, just everything from them just having. And this book is literally just them having to travel to Shi'ar space and for the whatever amount of time that takes them on a spaceship to get there. Yeah, like the and only fight just, scene happens. It's a road trip issue, like, yeah. basically. It's like the last three pages is really the the fight part, yeah. right? And everything else about it is just so, there's so many charming little moments. Yeah, it's like uh, vacation in space. Yeah, like, like, and he's finding, they're finding ways to use mutants. Again, it goes back to this. Like, we see Mondo. There's this whole great scene between uh, Cypher and Mondo and Krakoa, Krakoa yeah. and that whole thing of like this is so disturbing like even Krakoa is weirded out by what <laughs> it's having to do oh, when Which is, possesses Mondo yeah. but, see that's the cool thing is like it's additive is like you have these redundant mutant powers and it's on these writers to basically figure out how they're going to contribute to the overall canon yeah. and they add like Mondo has a power that's basically a lot like Black Tom Cassidy's mm-hmm. and it's just on them to figure out like how they're going to tell the story. Because you saw that part, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which is like, that's cool X-Men. And it's also, and I like how they're yeah. sneaking in like the threads of what are going to be larger stories mm-hmm. to come. Like, because that was a big mystery that we've never even talked about in Powers of X. Like, who is that future X-Men, Krakoa, Cypher hybrid who becomes like a walking, talking humanoid and is then merged together? I mean, this Mondo thing is the first clue yeah, that we have that this is even that. possible. Um, and it's kind of ironic humor because Cypher's the one that's like, man, that is so disturbing. And we know that in that future, <laughs> yeah. like that becomes him, like, and he has to do that. And we haven't even touched on him touching Krakoa and, and the techno virus thing yeah. leaking into leaves. Like there's so much going on with that, that 
I love, like I said, these and threads. Then coffee. Oh, yeah, and there's a scene whole... of them all drinking coffee and Jono being like, I can't drink it, but I love to smell it because he has a <laughs> hole in his face. And you're like, oh, yeah. man. And there's some great comedy in New Mutants that I think is just not being appreciated. That book is full of, like, I laughed out loud so many times during that book, more than I've laughed at a comic in a long time, I think. Just like, yeah, you and I talked about Sunspot, who I love how they nail Sunspot as this kind of playboy douche character who's like trying the to be very, like a hero. The, that very end yeah. moment. Yeah. He's, he's like, all right, up to me. He drowns like a whole bottle of whiskey. And he's like, all right, I feel like this is my time to save the day. And then it just cuts to the next scene where they're all surrounded and getting arrested <laughs> by the PR. And he's like, ah, damn it. <laughs> uh, it. And it was something we talked about in the office as far as the star jammers go that like it was a little bit interesting to see like Hickman's take on Corsair in X-Men and then because it's a little bit more like familial he's you know he's, yeah, he's with more his family. like a dad yeah. yeah and then here he's just like an unabashed pirate <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm not I'm not I don't care about you guys I mean sorry but then my favorite moment is when they all go through the thing of like they're all talking to Sunspot and Sunspot's like you know well I mean have we made any have we done anything wrong and they all go through like well, yeah there's like off. a panel of each of them <laughs> saying something <laughs> you kill my plants you cut off my arm you drank you you stole my whiskey. He's like, yeah. I won your whiskey. He's like, eh. and <laughs> Buster's just like, I do not like children. That's <laughs> <laughs> so many great moments. Yeah, Rod Reese, just like that he's the MVP of the issue. By far, Rod Reese. That art is just Am I the only one? I must be the only one that just doesn't love lo- I didn't like I it's fine. I like the visuals. I just don't love them. I, I love mean, the watercolor style. Kind of sketchy. They yeah. look yeah. like they're real pretty, like a silver or something. But up close, they're more like a you, like a Leno Francis you. That like Ron scratchy. scene, though, amazing. I ju- I I really enjoyed how awesome the character moments were in New Mutants. I just felt the plot was clunky. So that's why I'm kind of interested in seeing how. The, well, I mean, the, the be fair, there isn't line. really. I mean, that's it is the criticism. That's fair. There isn't really a plot to this book quite at, yet. At so point, yeah. At it's this like point, we want to see. We want to see Cannonball. That's that, and that that's was it. basically like a throwaway line of dialogue. Like, let's yeah. go get Cannonball back, and then I did have to flip happen. back and be like, wait, why are you know, they there in the first there, place? And then be like, oh yeah, that was the clunkiest Cannonball. part of the issue. Yeah. And then the it does. Art, that. I thought was great. And then as opposed to X Force, like I thought X Force had lacking in character moments, but just like was a very tight comic book. I just thought like yeah. both of them kind of could learn from each other. But the thing is, is like the X Men line has not gotten this much attention and love since now you know for like the last time in two decades this is the most attention and 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 as as far as like editorial control and input and uh, like the the artists and writers that are put on it and the cohesiveness of the line like this is the best it's gonna get for Mm -hmm. for the foreseeable foreseeable future future, so So, just try to enjoy it i enjoy it yeah exactly so exactly I enjoyed both. I think if you're looking for a more serious continuation of House of X, be sure to grab that X-Force 1. If you just want to have some more fun with like the X-Men characters and moments, be sure to grab New Mutants. Um, we'll be back to kind of conclude the Dawn of X relaunch next week with Fallen, Fallen Angels, Angels, which yeah. is the big asterisk one I think a lot of us are really curious about yeah. to see how that plays. And then maybe we'll stop talking X-Men as much. And then X-Men 2 comes out next week, Oh, right? God, I guess we never stop. Yeah, it never stops. It never stops! And then there's Wave 2, because oh. that'll come with a whole other set of books. Yeah. Wolverine and a bunch of other Moira, stuff. Moira, X, and all that Whatever stuff. Whatever that yeah. uh, 
X Corp book that was sort Such of a leaked. weird concept to bring back. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll was. see what that is. All right. But uh, yeah, hit us up if you guys want to talk about your thoughts about New Mutants X Force or anything else. Dawn of X, uh, hashtag Comic Book Nation. We're going to close out this episode with uh, letting Matt and Connor, and I forget if JK is into wrestling or. Yeah, kind of. Kind of. That's cool. Yeah, I don't know. I just I forget. Uh, you guys are going to tell us about. For the first time. Is this the first time we've done something non-WWE? For the full segment. Yes. Yeah, all right. So, AW, it's your time to shine. Take it away, boys. All right, quick introduction. If you only watch WWE, we're talking about All Elite Wrestling. It's the new competitive company. It's Connor's launched, favorite. Uh, it is not my favorite. <laughs> I just find it interesting. It's Connor's favorite. It's basically, it's, it's, the, it's the new wrestling, the new hotness, the new wrestling promotion people are talking about. And they've had a few shows, mm-hmm. been to a couple. Um, they're coming here next week. Yeah, cheap plug. We're having actually uh, Cody Rhodes and Brandy Rhodes, who you can see in the image behind me. They're going to be sitting on this couch Booyah. next week, and we're going to be talking to them before Dynamite over in downtown Nashville. But before then, they've got a pay-per-view this Saturday night in Baltimore. Now, Matt, I ask you this question every time we do one of these. Uh, what's your match of the night pick, if you had to guess? <sighs> Here's the thing, and I, I feel... Um like I could be more original, maybe, but it's so hard to pick against Cody and Jericho. Uh, that they've done a, a, an excellent job of building to that. I mean, Cody dropped. If you watched, if for those who watched that episode of Dynamite, Cody dropped a promo that was just fantastic. And and he's this is not the first people. People are calling this the the promo of the year, and maybe hit maybe yeah. his best ever, maybe up there with some of his dad's. Yeah, and that's unbelievably high praise. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, I mean, I think, and Jericho, just with all the shenanigans and stuff, I mean, to me, like, this last episode wasn't, like, the best one he's done, but he's done so many other ones in the past. You didn't like, you didn't like the parody? If you watch them side by side, they're exactly the same, only just just, Jericho making fun of it, like, he's listening about bubbly instead of what he's supposed to be doing. Like, I got the intent. I was just And Soul Train Jones didn't do it for you? No. Was, Virgil, come on, <laughs> come on! It. it didn't do it for Even but, JK knows who Virgil but is. I know who Virgil, Virgil is. I was just yeah. saying, is like Twitter it, icon, it, yes, yes. Twitter <laughs> icon and convention icon. Yes, he is <laughs> Virgil, wrestling superstar. Uh, but yeah, like it's just. But before this, amazing stuff. Like they've right. done some really fun stuff. So I, I it's this match. For me. I, I love the match. I love the story they're telling. I'm worried that they're almost overcorrecting because they've added the stipulation in where if Cody loses, he can never compete for that championship again. Yeah. And he said it in the promo last night that it's a response to people looking at him and going, oh, you know, you're, you're an executive vice president. You're, you're in management here in the company, so you shouldn't be awarding yourself these opportunities. And I think that opinion only holds up if you never watch the show. Yeah, because if you actually watch, he's easily your most over babyface oh, and yeah. top three star. Like every crowd loves the guy. Yeah, this, and despite and, the nature of his character, like characters like him typically aren't. They're typically despised as heels. They're the corporate whatever. And you know when he has his guys all come down in suits and whatever. I, I hear people make the argument, oh, he doesn't need the championship. He he's a big enough star on his own. Well, the counter argument to that is I think the championship needs him yeah. because you, the AEW World Championship, cool looking belt. 
Real nice looking, well detailed, yeah. all that stuff. Its history so far is it's been defended twice and lost on the side of a highway in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> it <laughs> needs <laughs> some prestige. Yeah. And it that can't is disturbing how much it matches my own story. And it, exactly, <laughs> Kofi. It's the Kofi World Championship. Um, it, it needs it needs big names to hold it. Yeah. Like, within the first three years, I want Jericho, Pac, Moxley, Omega, and Cody to have all held it at least once. Yeah. And if you suddenly just say, oh, hey, our biggest star, our most liked character on each show, he's off the board now. I think that's a big mistake. Yeah. I No, I agree. I And I the way uh, you had kind of phrased the question was, like, is it a mistake if Jericho, like, if – he doesn't win the belt if Cody doesn't win the belt. I don't think it's a mistake necessarily, but I think one, that's the only part of the promo that I didn't actually buy was the part about like people say, I'm like, uh, no, nobody really you, says you that. You hear that like, a little bit, I, but it's no really one, just coming from the people that want to nitpick yeah, every like, little detail not, about this company. No one's saying that. Like everyone look, adores you. Like that's not really a thing. So to me, I didn't really buy that. I thought they added this as an extra stipulation to just ramp up the tension or whatever. I think he needs to win it because of the stipulation. If there wasn't that, I would say leave it on Jericho for a little longer. It's fine. Right. But I agree with you. I feel like it does need someone who's going to be out there to Defending it, it needs to be built up a little bit because it is in its baby phase. So yes, I, I agree. I think he should win that. Also, if there is a match that it would would be also kind of like right up there, would be the triple tag. Yeah, I think that one's going to go viral. Sheer fun. Like there's going to be so many ridiculous. Crazy spots with those guys, and every time private parties on the air now, everyone goes, "What the hell are these guys going to do?" Yeah, they're great. I mean, they save that awful match. Yeah, they kind of (laughs) did. You know, you you knock Dark Order, but give terrible. Give this company a little credit. They tried to push him, and then immediately read the room and went, "Yeah, this isn't working at all." So pull it back. Yeah, I like that. so, match of the night, we're both in agreement. Uh, other big matches on this show, you want to keep out for Kenny Omega, John Moxley. They keep mentioning Mox's past with CZW and working at the ECW arena back in Philly. I think this is an indication that it's going to get violent. Like, we're, we're going to get a lot of barbed wire. I mean, wire, it feels like every week, though, they're already pulling out the... The bat and the broom. Yeah, the, brand, the bat and the broom, and I'm like, okay, when are you going to hit someone? Someone's getting hit with it's one It's going to happen things. here. It's going to be a... And, and, I, and yeah. it's not the Triple H, uh, where he kind of pushes it into it. No, someone's swinging. Now, here's the thing, though, and and what AEW... AEW has not shied away from blood. They've not shied away from... Which I like. I like that they'll they'll take a couple... They'll go for it. However, there was one match, and I can't remember which pay-per-view it was, but it was the Dust. I think it was the Dustin. Might have been the Dustin Cody one. Whichever one yeah, that like funny. Dustin was just. Oh, yeah, he looked, he looked like he was It looked die. awful. And I was like, okay, that's probably and, that's too far. And we need they, to that in. they've made it pretty clear that it's only going to be on those pay-per-views where that kind of stuff happens. But I mean, we're at a pay-per-view. So I mean, okay, if it's going to happen, I just want you to see Chekhov's bat. I just want you to see walk that. Not Chekhov's line. gun. Chekhov's bat. Chekhov's barbed wire covered in barbed wire broom because Kenny pulls out because he's the cleaner. So he pulls out. He's like, I'm going to sweep you. We've gotten we've gotten like punctuations in their feud of like violent moments. Like there was that whole time. I think it was the first Dynamite episode where Moxley like power slammed him through a a glass table in the VIP area area where you couldn't see the ring. 
Yeah, exactly. What, what benefit is this? And like, there was also nothing on the table. <laughs> it's like no one was actually taking advantage of this VIP. It was well choreographed. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. It but we like to nitpick well things in this wrestling uh, yeah. world of ours. Oh, I know. Yeah, exactly. So the big question, we've been asking it on the website every week. We're six weeks into it. Matt, question for you. Six weeks into NXT versus AEW, who's winning? AEW's winning the ratings. They're tied in our weekly column, which the new one drops today. And we the always... fan poll has been overwhelmingly on AEW's side, except for this week. Yes. NXT actually won. I guess that's my I guess that's my thing. I, I think if I had to grade it up until this point, I would say AEW has won the the fight or the war, whatever we're calling it, up to the last two weeks. I feel like in those last two weeks, because NXT started out extremely slow on USA Network, like mm-hmm. really slow, and AEW just had all this momentum coming in. I feel that, though, a long game type of thing, you're starting to see AEW still do well in the ratings and everything like that, but you're starting to see it level off, and you're starting to see it kind of average out to where there's not that night, oh, it's the new thing every week. Yeah, It's just a really good show. So you're seeing that level off, and you're also starting to see NXT, some of those people see what NXT is doing. They flip back and forth a lot. I think NXT has had a a way better show the last few weeks, including this week, because I, I know that was my vote. Mm. Uh, I think they've had a better show in and out uh, than the last in the last two weeks. It's been it's been them. And I think the momentum is in their direction. So I will be interested in like six more weeks mm-hmm. to kind of see if they can keep that up, if they can keep that trajectory going. Because if they can, then in another six weeks, I might say NXT is winning. But for now, AEW, just off those first three weeks alone, AEW wins. I- I've got to go with Dynamite because every week feels like I need to be watching. Every, you know, the fact that that matches the win-loss and stuff that they've, they've emphasized that matters. The fact that they've been building up to this specific pay-per-view. Very few segments feel like they're wasted. NXT can bring great moments. Stuff with Finn Balor, stuff with Ciampa, and then Disputed Era. There are certain, like, moments where I'm like, oh, crap, I'm, I wish I'd been watching this live instead of after the fact. Yeah. But there's a lot of times in just about every NXT episode where I'm like, this is a down period. And I, I could be skipping through this right now if this were on, you know, if I had this DVR'd, I would just be skipping through this part. I'd be skipping through Conti versus Santana Garrett. I'd be skipping through all those Cameron Grimes matches. I don't get it, man. I, look, I'm with you. I, 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 <laughs> I, I skipped through most of Priest Dunn last night, even though I love. Oh, that was such a good match, though. It felt like the 50-50 booking we knock Raw for all the time. Hmm. You beat me this week, I beat you next week. I mean, no, I get that. I'm just talking about it as a match, though, because I I feel like I never... I mean, we talked about FOMO on the show before. I never have that with with Dynamite. I never feel like I'm missing out on anything. I feel like, oh, I'll watch the Even thing after. Even last night with the no, Cody thing. Like, no, I don't ever feel that way. Even when I go back and watch after, and I I just don't have that thing. Now... The moments I feel like Dynamite excels in is its promos. Jericho, Rhodes have both delivered. Moxley. Several times. Moxley, too. In one promo, better than anything he did in WWE. Oh, no. Hands down. I just just also haven't been captivated by him so far. I will say Omega has impressed me. That's not out of me. Um, But... I just, there's just, I don't have that. I, I don't feel like I'm ever like, I got to go see it. And, and I, but I'm always entertained. AW puts on a great show. I'm just saying, I never, I don't have that yet. Uh, and sometimes with NXT, I feel that. I feel like I, I need to watch because they're going to pull something out of their hat. And both shows have solid wrestling. So it's not really about that. Um, it's just, yeah, I, I'm missing that. Fair enough. All right. 
Thank you, Connor. As always, Connor's on top of this wrestling stuff, so we will be keeping you guys informed because you guys have written in, and people do love a lot of these wrestling segments. So as this world expands, like the Marvel Universe, we will keep you on track with what the hell's going on with your NXTs, your WWEs, your FTWs, your WTFs, and everything else. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. If you're just getting into the show these days, we post new episodes every Wednesday and every Friday on comicbook.com. Make sure if you are one of our weekend listeners, you also go back and check out the Wednesday show. It's the middle of the news week. Things happen fast. This past week, we got surprises left and right as Batman casting was dropped on us in the middle of a show. And we also have Janelle Wheeler on Wednesdays, which is always great. So be sure to check those out when you listen in on the weekend. If you want to talk to us about anything we talk about on the show, you can always hit us up with the hashtag ComicBookNation, or you can subscribe to the show on various listening platforms. That include iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Google Podcasts, Google Playlists. You can tell an Amazon Alexa device, fire up Comic Book Nation podcast, and it will do so. Or you can check us out on the YouTube. Now, if you want to talk to us individually, you can reach me at Kofi Outlaw. Catch me at MagularCB. At Connor Casey underscore CB. I'm at, what was Joe? Woe is Joe, but is Joe woe? I always want to know. That all that's some that's some Dr. Seuss stuff right there. No, that's some. You were spitting bars earlier in the streets of Brentwood freestyling for you. (laughs) Right out of Brentwood. Brentwood. All right. Thank you guys for listening in. As always, we love talking to you here at Comic Book Nation, and hope to see you guys for our next episode. Have a good weekend, and we'll see you back. Peace. Peace. 